You're listening to the Ministry 127 podcast, a complimentary resource for today's spiritual leader. The purpose of Ministry 127 is to aid Christians in developing a biblical philosophy of ministry. Ministry 127 is a growing online library aimed at assisting ministry workers with Bible-based resources and is a ministry of Pastor Paul Chapel, the Lancaster Baptist Church, and West Coast Baptist College. For more information, visit ministry127.com and subscribe to the Ministry 127 podcast for more practical lessons for today's Christian worker. Today we'll be hearing from Mrs. Tammy Schellenberg about catching and implementing the pastor's vision. The Schellenbergs have been members of Lancaster Baptist Church for 18 years, and she has been serving as the registrar for West Coast Baptist College since 2004. Hebrews 13.7 tells us, Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. And today my lesson is on catching and implementing pastor's vision, and we're going to learn to follow our pastor. Simple acrostic, F-O-L-L-O-W. Have you ever tried to follow someone in your car? Um, there's a lot of factors that will determine whether or not you get to the intended destination. Like, do they realize they're being followed? Do they realize they're being followed purposefully? (laughs) Are they running through that yellow light and you're stuck at the red? Do they care that you're following them? And your factors as well. Are you paying attention? Are you being distracted by those in the car? Driving to something like ladies retreat or something like that where you're all in the car and you've got to just conversations going off right and left and right and left. Um, It's really hard to follow um, someone on that way. Following is so much easier when you know where you're going. And with all the tools available today, we've got MapQuest, GPS. I don't know how to use it yet. I just tell this little lady, she starts talking to me. It really drives me nuts. Um, But directions are not hard to come by. I remember the days when you just looked for an open gas station and hoped they... um, spoke the same language. But um, today I've used the word uh, follow to show how we can catch and implement our pastor's vision. Okay, we need to be faithful to obey and labor that we might be able to lead and organize with a willing heart. The catching part would be the first three, faithful obedience and laboring, and the implementing will be the last three, leading and organizing with a willing heart. I'll say that over and over and over again. You'll get it down, trust me. As we look at the subject today, I would submit to you that knowing the destination and understanding your pastor's heart is the critical vision here. Is that so much of a mystery? Probably not. First of all, your pastor's heart is to equip you with tools for the ministry you're sitting here in this session at the leadership conference. There's also many ways to know and observe your pastor's vision. Perhaps you really do have a vision statement or a purpose statement. As pastor shared ours this morning, loving God, growing together, and serving others. That's our vision statement. Has your pastor written a book or two? I am an avid reader, and one of my favorite authors is Pastor Chapel. I read everything that he um, prints so that I might actively pursue my pastor's vision. Mm-hmm. How else will I know his heart? But reading the purpose of the church 
and putting it into practice are two very different things. So, we're going to catch our pastor's vision, first of all, by being faithful. Faithful to attend. You cannot know the pastor's heart on any matter unless you attend, whether it be Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, or Thursday night, whenever your midweek service is, a staff meeting, or perhaps a special meeting that you're having. Hebrews 10.25, a very familiar verse. We tell it to our church family about having them attend. I wonder sometimes if we forget about it. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more, as ye see the day approaching. Anytime you have an opportunity to hear your pastor speak, you need to be there. Yes, I realize we have a lot of responsibilities. You probably teach a Sunday school class. You probably help in a nursery. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, we have a bazillion things that need to get done. But don't let any of those things provide an excuse for you to miss the teaching and preaching of your pastor. Um, Make it a priority. We spend a lot of time in the trenches, and um, we need to keep our head above water. And that's who the pastor is. He's there to encourage and exhort us. We constantly need the input of God's word through God's man. And our pastor needs us. He needs to know we're sitting there. We're supporting him. He looks out and he looks for our faces. He needs to know that there's people sitting there and praying for him. As this world becomes more and more unfriendly to the word of God, our pastor is going to have to take stands on issues that are not going to be popular with the current culture trends. We need to be in the service to hear his heart. Do you ever notice, Pastor, just um, it won't be written in his notes, but he'll give a prayer request in the middle of the service? Or you can just see the pastor's heart when he's sharing a burden, not a gossipy burden, but when you're listening closely to the preaching, you can understand where your pastor is at. So we need to attend. We also need to abide. I like this PowerPoint thing. (laughs) To abide is to continue and remain stable. Have you ever tried to catch a snowflake with the tip of your tongue? The easiest way is to hold still and open your mouth and just let it drop in. To abide, to remain stable. We are not to be tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive, but to hold fast to that which is true and faithful. Let your pastor be the one to guide and direct. Are you faithful to be at your desk at the time you're supposed to be there? Are you diligent with your duties day in and day out, getting the job done? Or are you letting maybe distractions take you away, interruptions um, from what you've been given to do? Faithfully abide in the assignment given to you, and you will be able to catch the vision of the pastor. So we're going to be faithful. We're also going to be obedient. Obedient to occupy the position. We've all been given a job to do. Luke 19.13 says, And he called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds and said unto them, Occupy till I come. To occupy is an opportunity for service and a sense of stewardship. As stewards, we need to be trustworthy to get the job done. In order to catch the pastor's vision, we always need to be mindful of the job we were hired to do. 
In the book Spiritual Leadership, Pastor Chapel wrote, the implementation of vision is primarily an act of obedience. Of course, he was referring to his role as a visionary, but we are expected to come alongside our pastor and assist him in um, implementing the vision God has given him. Ministries are busy places and there's always something new on the horizon. If we are not careful, we can take on more and more projects and more and more responsibilities so that our original job description becomes obsolete. Now, if that is the decision of the pastor, then of course what he tells you to do, do. (laughs) But I'm afraid that there are parts to each of our positions, each of our jobs, each of our tasks that we don't really like. (laughs) And as other things come across our desk, we'll go, oh, that looks like so much fun. I think I'll do that today instead. And we get busy and busy doing things that maybe weren't in our original job description. At the end of the day, we haven't done our job. We've been busy and we've worked, but we haven't really occupied. We are not here to set our own agenda or grow anything for ourselves, but we're here to obediently do that which is given to us by those in authority over us. It is a wonderful protection. I have the privilege of teaching 10th grade girls Sunday school here at Lancaster Baptist Church, and I am constantly hounding on them to be obedient to the authority over you. That is your whole hedge of protection. As long as you're being obedient and doing what is expected of you, you just have a realm of protection around you. But we need to do that as well. Occupy the position you were hired for with all your might that you will be able to catch your pastor's vision, obedient to occupy and obedient to ownership. We need to own the task at hand. Obedience is not just to do the task, but obedience is to do it well. I must confess, when I sit down and have a moment to watch a few seconds of TV, I grab that channel changer and I click it off of ESPN (laughs) and over (laughs) to HGTV. (laughs) I am a homeowner. (laughs) I love watching HGTV when they've got those wonderful shows about how to improve the outside, how to improve the inside. Oh, design on a dime when they've got those clever things. I could never do it, but I sit there and think, oh, yes, that would be cute in that room. And I can do that. I own the whole thing. If I only rented my home, I probably wouldn't be so interested in investing time and money and sprucing it up, but I own my home. Likewise, when we truly own our possessions, positions, not possessions, we will do everything we can to improve our efficiency and skill at getting the job done. This may mean learning a new computer program. I do love Access, and I do love Vista, but it was a love-hate at first. (laughs) Improving communication skills, reading books on organization, or whatever it is that's needful for your position. Ecclesiastes 9.10 says, Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. For there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave, whither thou goest. Be obedient to the position you hold. So we've been faithful and obedient. Now we're going to labor. Labor with intensity. A synonym for intensity is passion. When I think of King David, I think of a man with passion. From the time he took on the giant as a young shepherd boy, and throughout his life he lived with passion. Mm, It got him in trouble sometimes, but let me ask you this. Is there not a cause? 
Take your vitamins, pull on your bootstraps, and get to work. With your intensity <laughs> will come productivity. <laughs> Sorry, didn't realize you didn't have the word up. Our Lord and Savior preached for only three years of his life, and he changed the world. John 9, 4 says, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. None of us know how long we will have the opportunity here on this earth to serve our Lord and Savior. Labor with intensity and seize the day. Labor with intensity and labor with integrity. Colossians 3.22 says, Servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God, and whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. First and foremost, we have to realize we are serving our Heavenly Father. And he sees all. There are times when you're going to be weary. And Satan is going to battle you. And he's going to target the faithful men and women serving the Lord. Um, the Job of the Bible was a man of integrity. I love the book of Job. Job 1.1, he is called perfect and upright and one that feared God and eschewed evil. That was before the trial. But afterwards, his testimony never changed. Job 1.22, in all this, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. Then in chapter 27, he declares his own integrity. Till I die, I will not remove mine integrity from me. I hope none of us are put to the test as Job was. But even if we are with the right heart, we can trust God through it all. Labor with a clean heart in order to capture your pastor's vision with integrity. So the first three letters, faithful, obedient, and laboring, that was catching our pastor's vision. And now the next ones is going to be implementing. First, we know we're going to be called on to lead. Be trustworthy as you support your pastor with his vision and loyally implement his directives. Lead with loyalty. Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face, went up to meet with God on Mount Sinai, and he left Aaron in charge. He was surprised to find when he returned to the camp a molten calf in the middle. Aaron had not been loyal. Aaron's excuse was incredibly lame. First, he blames it on Moses. He was gone too long. Then he blames it on the people that they are set on mischief. Then he tells Moses that the people brought him their gold. I love this part. And I then cast it into the fire. And voila, my word, not his. There came out this calf. That was his word. Aaron did not demonstrate loyalty to his leader or his God. He was left in charge and shouldn't have been trusted. Hebrews thirteen seventeen tells us, Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves for they watch for your souls, as they that must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. Because of a lack of loyalty, Moses had to go back up to the mount and meet with God once again, face to face, and beg for their forgiveness. You are a representation of your pastor to your church and also to the community around you. We have Walmart down the street. When the college is in session, we have hundreds 
of modestly attired young ladies. It is so much fun. Anywhere you go in town, you can spot a West Coast lady. It is awesome. The community knows who you are. Be sure to lead with loyalty and with love. 1 Corinthians 13, 13, what a wonderful verse. And now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. And this could be a full session in itself. Honestly, I encourage you to review 1 Corinthians 13. Commit it to memory if you can, because we all need to lead with love at all times. What are the requirements? It's listed. How easy is that? You can just go through the list. Suffering long, being kind, envying not, vaunting not yourself, not being puffed up, not behaving yourself unseemly, seeking not your own, not easily provoked, thinking no evil, rejoicing not in iniquity but in the truth, bearing all things, believing all things, hoping all things, enduring all things. Charity never faileth. In chapter 16, verse 14, it says, Let all your things be done with charity. Whether you're called upon to lead other staff members or a group of volunteers, be sure to always lead with love. Leading with love and loyalty. And now we're going to organize as we implement our pastor's vision. Implementation is definitely going to take organization. We need to organize with diligence. 1 Corinthians 14.40 Let all things done be done diligently and in order. Not every staff... Oh, diligently. (laughs) I forget the little button part. Not every staff member comes built with organizational skills. And even those that are gifted in these areas need to recognize that knowing how to organize and then doing it with diligence are two different things. Proverbs 10.4, He becometh poor that dealeth with a slack hand, but the hand of the diligent maketh rich. God honors diligence. This may mean you need to diligently pursue organizational skills so that you can diligently organize. Not every system works for every person, and I'm sure... Um, Even if you ask around, you'll find organization is an evolving organism. One year it's Franklin Covey, then it's getting things done, (laughs) then it's a combination of everything. (laughs) It can be um, very confusing, but that's not what it's supposed to be. Um, But keeping organized will allow you to complete a job thoroughly and in a timely manner, allows you to be frugal in the use of resources, and it allows you to capture the moments and leave your office at the end of the day having spent well your time organizing with diligence and organize with determination we only have so much time in any given day and so many days in any given life James 4.14 whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow for what is your life it is even a vapor that appeareth for a little while and then vanisheth away in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul is described um, as what he went through when he was determined to serve God. He was beaten of the Jews five times, thrice beaten with rods, once stoned, thrice suffered shipwreck, in perils of waters, robbers, his own countrymen, by the heathen, in the city, in the wilderness, in the sea, and among false brethren. Paul 
is a great picture of determination. What are you going to allow in your life that might take you a little off course? Don't let the little things keep you from that which is most needful. You're going to need to organize with determination so that you can stay focused to implement your pastor's vision. Finally, we need to implement our pastor's vision with a willing heart or being willing hearted. After the whole golden calf incident, Moses went back up the mountain and came down with another set of tablets. This time, the Israelites behaved themselves and they were commissioned to build the tabernacle. Exodus 35.5 tells us, Take ye from among you an offering unto the Lord, whosoever is of a willing heart, and let him bring it an offering of the Lord, gold and silver and brass. And then down to verse 21, And they came, and every one whose heart stirred him up, and every one whom his spirit made willing, and they brought the Lord's offering to the work of the tabernacle of the congregation, and for all his service, and for the holy garments. We need to have a willing heart that is, first of all, humble. Or humbly. Micah 6.8 tells us, He hath showed thee, O man, what is good, and what doth the Lord require of thee, but to do justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with God. Philippians 2.5-9 Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made of himself no reputation, and took took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of man. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Humility. Jesus had a legitimate right to enjoy the comforts of heaven yet he did not look at his right look at it as a right he should hold on to nor did he see leaving all he was as a sacrifice too costly to make I love the portion of leadership conference every evening when pastor gets to award this um, servant leadership award sitting in the choir loft we have a bird's eye view of the recipients And it's so much fun to watch their faces as the video starts rolling and the recipients realize it's them. Mm -hmm. Last night as um, I was watching the Hamilton's faces, first it was shock and, (laughs) what are they doing? What are they talking about? But then if you could have seen their faces from the choir loft, just an expression of pure humility came over them. And I know you saw them as they came to the platform What an amazing couple. When the world exalts you, you are the one who receives the credit. When God exalts you, others will praise him for what he has done through your life. We also need a willing heart to sacrifice. So sacrificially. Even though there were no resources to replace what the children of Israel were giving to the building of the tabernacle, they gave to the Lord willingly. That's what we just read in Exodus. If you look back in chapter 12, verses 35 and 36, you can see God's amazing provision. And the children of Israel did according to the word of Moses, 
and they borrowed of the Egyptians jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, so that they lent unto them such things as they required, and they spoiled the Egyptians. Back when they still lived in Egypt, God told them, Grab all this stuff where you're going, you're going to need it. And he had already provided a way for them to honor him with what they had. He knew what he was going to call upon them to do. And he provided for them a way to fulfill his will for their lives. They gave sacrificially, but really all they gave was what he had already given to them to begin with. We too need to be willing-hearted to sacrificially give to him as we implement our pastor's vision. All that we have is God's anyways. He is always faithful to provide for every need, and besides, without faith, it is impossible to please him. As we close, in the most recent Baptist Voice, Pastor Chapel wrote this little portion down here um, to other pastors, and it fit so well in this lesson. This is one pastor to another. Once you have dreamed the dream, you must share the dream. Once God has clarified his vision in your heart, you must share that vision with those you lead. That would be us. Vision must spread from the visionary to the visionless. This is called vision casting. When God lays a vision upon your heart, you must define it, picture it, and then stand before the people and inspire them to love and trust God enough to own it and see it take place. I pray that um, you will be a people willing to catch and implement your pastor's vision with a willing heart so that you can make a difference in your church. Thank you for listening to the Ministry 127 podcast. Today we heard from Mrs. Tammy Schellenberg on catching and implementing the pastor's vision. This podcast was designed to equip spiritual leaders to grow in the Word and develop a biblical philosophy of ministry for today's local church. Be sure to let a friend know about ministry127.com. Also, for Christ-honoring publications, please visit strivingtogether.com for resources that encourage spiritual growth and the local church ministry. Thank you for listening to this Ministry 127 podcast.